0: Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. I hope you're having a fantastic morning so far. Uh, Again, my name is Mel. I'm the lead pastor here at the Summit. I'm so glad you're worshiping with us today. Uh, Thank you for making us a part of your day. Uh, If you're watching online at summittogether.com, I just want to say I appreciate you making time uh, to put the summit in your day. And uh, so no matter where you are and how you're joining us today, if you're watching live from our website or maybe you're listening to this or watching after the fact, whatever the case is, thank you so much for worshiping with us and, and just being a part of what God is doing here. Uh, I do wanna wish you happy Father's Day and uh, hope hope it's a really incredible day. If you're a dad and you're here, I hope you get to go eat a big piece of red meat or you know um, shoot something or blow something up today or whatever it is that you wanna do. Um, but I hope you have a a great day. Um, Let me tell you about a couple things real quick. Um, Oh yeah, I didn't mention this. If you're a guest with us, if this is your first time, or maybe you've been here for a while, but you've just never filled out a guest card, I would love for you to fill out one of our guest cards in the seat back in front of you, and just take that, you can fill it out for us, and drop it off at the uh, coffee shop, and they're gonna give you a free drink and just say thank you for worshiping with us today. So please drop that off. I'd love to connect with you and just get to know you a little more, so please do that. Also to remind you, there's a couple things you can be praying about this week. Um, Starting tonight is our kids camp here at the church. It starts at 6 p.m. at 6 to 9 p.m. all this week. Uh, and Matt Mano, our kids pastor, does a great job with our kids team. He'll be here to close out the service in just a little bit to tell you more about that. But you can be praying for our workers and for our kids. We have over 200 kids pre-registered for camp this week. So uh, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, that was, as we were talking about it before, Matt was saying, well, I, I kind of hope we can hit 200. And I don't know, maybe with late registration and people showing up, have, maybe we'll hit 200. Uh, but it looks like we'll probably have 230 or 40 different kids come through camp this week. So that's really exciting and uh, a little terrifying. So um, <laughs> so uh, be praying for our workers, be praying for the kids that are going to be here. Let's pray that God will just impact Lives in crazy ways that kids whose parents don't even go to church or don't go to our church, they would go home and be able to just share the gospel, and, and families are going to be changed through this. I truly believe that. So we'll be praying for our kids, but also Eli, our youth pastor, is taking our junior high and senior high students to camp this week as well. He's taking a group out to near Harrisburg to camp, and uh, so they'll be there all this week. So we'll be praying for them as well. That God will just rock the world, and um, and they'll come back changed. Um, and my daughter doesn't really need to be changed. She's already pretty good. But, uh, so I don't want her changed entirely because then she'd come back and be a heathen. So I don't want her changed that much, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. Um, and, and I want to say this, too. Usually my, I think my parents think we started live streaming services just so they could watch from Oklahoma. And, uh, and that's partially true, I think. But the um, truth is my parents watch every week. So, Dad, shoot. Um, love you, Dad. Uh, happy Father's Day. <laughs> I'll call you later, and I'll get mushy with you then, but I can't do it now. So anyway, love you, Daddy. You're a great dad. Um, hey, we're going to finish a series today called Margin, and we started two weeks ago. Um, two weeks ago today, we started, and we just talked about what margin looks like and what is margin in our life. The truth is, we all want breathing room. And we talk about margin in the terms of business, uh, gross profit margin is the difference between what you bring in and what goes out. And so maybe you don't understand business, but if you understand your personal finances, you know you want to have more money coming in than you do going out. Am I right? Does anybody like that when you have more money coming in than going out? Apparently not. Apparently. We all live in debt, um, but I do, personally. I like for the church to have more money coming in than we have to spend, um, and, and we know that when we have margin in our finances, it gives us breathing room, but last week, Matt Netzer was here, um, and, and he shared with us that, that God wants us to have breathing room in our emotional and our spiritual life as well, that, that we, can't, um, we can't spend more than what we bring in. But we think we can, and so sometimes we live on that edge. And today we're going to talk a little bit about our schedule and about our time, because the truth is we need breathing room in our time, in our schedule. And I think most of us, if, if I asked you, if I'm standing in the lobby and asked you as you're going out, hey, how are you doing today? What's going on? A lot of people in this room, as you're going out, would say, oh, I'm busy. Pray for me, Pastor. I'm busy. i got this going on and this and this and this. And there's, there's nothing wrong with being busy. I, I just let me dispel that rumor right now. There's nothing wrong with being busy, but there's something wrong with being busy with the wrong things. And that's where we get into trouble sometimes. We're busy with the wrong things. And so all of us are busy at some point or another. Uh, it's funny, uh, we've still got some IUP students here through the summer uh, for classes, and some are just res- local residents, things like that. But it's funny when I talk to IUP students because. I'll say, hey, what's going on? Oh, this semester's crazy. Oh, really? Yeah, today, man, today, I can't believe my schedule. I'm so busy. Well, what's your schedule look like? Well, I've got a class at 10, and I've got a class at 1, and then I've, I've got to study this afternoon. Well, what, what, what else what, what else do you have, though, besides that? Well, I mean, nothing. But I, I mean, I'm busy. No, you're not. You, I, I'm busy. You... you you get to sleep till 9.45 and go to class in your pajamas. I'm busy, right? Like, but the truth is they still feel like they're busy. And all of us in this room, no matter what your schedule is, if you are single or married, or you are in the prime of your career, or you're retired, kids at home, kids out of the home, it doesn't make any difference, you are busy. There is a pull on our time like never before because there are more distractions, more things to do. And this is the thing. The difficult decisions in our schedule aren't whether to do bad things or good things, it's whether to do good things or good things, a lot of times. And and, and what we're gonna talk about today is doing good things or better things because I never struggle with, God, should I read scripture today or should I strangle someone? Like, God, help me. Help me, I need discernment, Father, I don't know, right? Like, come on. You might have some employees or maybe a boss that you had to pray that for. Lord, should I strangle him or should I pray for him? I don't know. But we don't struggle with those decisions. The decisions we struggle with are, man, I I got a project at work, I could get into the office a few minutes early, or, or I could take my kids to school. Like, neither one of those are bad. They're both good things. And those are the decisions we struggle with at times. And the truth is, just like God has a vision for our finances, just like God has a vision for your emotional or spiritual life, God has a vision for your schedule. And you go, why does God care about my schedule? Because as our schedule goes, so goes our lives. I'm almost embarrassed to say it. If, if I have a conversation with somebody and, and we decide, hey, let's get together for coffee. Let's, let's grab lunch this week. I, I have to pull out my phone while we're talking about it. And it looks like I'm texting or like checking my, you know, playing video games while we're talking. But I will put it on my calendar right then because if I don't, it does not exist it is, it is, yes, we should get together sometime, but it is not real unless it's on my calendar. And that's, that's how most of us live our lives. If it's not on our calendar, in our PDA, on our, on our mobile device, it's not real. And we are busy people, constantly going, constantly moving. And this is a good test to know if you might be too busy. Um, if you catch yourself saying things like, uh, I'll be there, but I'm gonna be a few minutes late. You might be too busy. If you say things like, uh, yes, I'll come, but I'm gonna have to leave a little bit early. You might be too busy. You're gonna love this one. If you say things like, well, what time is my daughter's performance so I can get there right as she's performing and leave right when she's done? You, You might be too busy. I've told you before, does anybody like going to junior high band concerts? No. I love my daughter. And my daughter is the best best musician in the band. And if we could just listen to her, we'd all be better off. But i got to listen to your kids too, so, right? Like, come on. <laughs> but nobody likes listening to this stuff. It would be so easy. There have been times that I thought, well, why couldn't we just go and listen to seventh grade and leave? Like, does the sixth grade really care if I'm there to hear them? Or the eighth grade? Or... The truth is, I'm not that busy. I can stick around. It's okay. But we're tempted to do that because we feel like we're busy. But if we say things like that and we we shape our life and order our lives that way, we're probably too busy. And we're probably too busy with some of the wrong things. See, there was a guy who knew a lot about time. His name was Moses. And Moses had these different sections of his life. His life was kind of broken down in different sections. And if you're new to church, or you're new to God, or you're not very familiar with scripture, that's okay. Moses was a guy um, that uh, he was raised as a prince of Egypt. He was raised in the Pharaoh's home as one of his sons, Um, spent a lot of years there. And he recognized the fact that he was not Egyptian, he was Israeli. And one day he killed an Egyptian who was persecuting an Israeli. And He stepped out and he shouldn't have done it. How many of you know when you kill somebody, your life is probably gonna change, okay? So don't kill somebody, okay? Um, And so he killed a guy and and he left, he fled, he ran away, and he ran off to the wilderness and he he, he spends at least 40 years in the wilderness. He spends his life as a shepherd for his father-in-law. Terrible job. And it's just as dynamic as it sounds too, because literally he would sit around all day watching the sheep. He would take the sheep in the morning, go out into the country and sit and watch them eat and drink and do their thing. And then in the evening, he would get up and drag them all back to the pen. And the next day, do you know what he did? The same thing. And the next day after that, the next day after that. And he did this day after day after day, month after month, year after year, he spent out here in the field with these sheep. This is a guy that understood time, One day, God calls him through a burning bush, speaks through a burning bush to Moses. Moses goes, does what God's telling him to do, and he rescues the children of Israel from Egyptian captivity. And he goes and brings them out of captivity and and let let my people go and the plagues and all those kind of things. And he takes the children of Israel out and, and they're about to go into the promised land and God goes, no, 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 no. You can look into the promised land, but you can't go because of the sin of the people. So I'm sorry. So they wander around the wilderness for 40 more years, wandering around the wilderness. Again, it's just as dynamic as it sounds. He spent 40 years in the wilderness. What was he doing? Living his life, doing his thing, counting time. He understood time. He understood what it was all about. And it's interesting, when we think of the, the, the book of Psalms, we think of David more normally, don't we? We think of him writing songs, but There's a a Psalm tucked away here in Psalm chapter 90. It's really important and it's actually written by Moses. And this is what I want us to read today. This is the the main text that we'll be walking through. So in Psalm chapter 90 verse one, this is what it says. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And you know you're in trouble when I'm taking it verse by verse. We're taking this verse by verse, people, okay? We're not reading it in chunks. He says, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. What he's saying is, God, you are our resting place. You are our home, if you want to put it that way. If you look at it in a little bit of less familiar terms, you can look at it as a place of worship. So he's saying, You are where we find our residence. You are where we find our comfort. You're where we find our hope. And it's not just that we find our hope in You while we're at church on a Sunday morning, but You have been our home. You have been our place of comfort from generation to generation. So he's trying to, to put into perspective how big our God is. Because it's easy for us to say God is big, and we oh, God is big, God's a big God. Go, okay, yeah, but what does that mean? And so Moses is trying to put this in perspective for, for the, the singer, because this is a song that they would sing together, for the singer and the listener, how big our God is. So he's trying to put this in perspective. It's not just for you or for this day, from generation to generation, our God is our dwelling place. That's where we can find our hope and our comfort and our peace. I don't know about you. At the end of the day, when you come home from work, isn't it kind of nice to kick off your shoes, maybe put on your comfy pants, you know, the, the elastic band. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, woo You go get, you oh, know, you sit on the couch, and you get a big glass of sweet tea. I don't, I don't know, I'm in the north. We don't drink sweet tea here. You get a big glass of coffee. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is. And you sit down, you relax. And you just take that big, deep breath. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And it's like, all right, now I can rest. And this is what God is. God is our resting place. He's our dwelling place. And it's not just that he is that for us today, but from generation to generation to generation. And Moses is establishing this fact before his people. Verse two says, and think of this imagery. Imagine this. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever, or ever, you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So, what Moses is saying is, before you ever formed the planet, you were God. And when the planet goes away, you are God. In one of the versions, it actually says, before the mountains were born, you were God. Can, Can you imagine that? Now, I don't know if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon. When you go to the Grand Canyon, you would think they would have railing around the whole thing, right? Like, it's the Grand Canyon. It's pretty deep, you, you know. But no. In some places, they've got railing. But a lot of places, you just walk up right to the edge and look over. And just, people are spitting off the side, taking pictures, doing all kinds of things. It's like, don't you know? Like, you could fall. It's deep, right? But one of the things I love, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a science nerd. I love nature and things like that. But one of the things I think about when I look at the Grand Canyon is the hundreds of thousands of years it took for that canyon to be carved in the stone from water. That water that was running moment by moment, day after day, just kept on, kept on, kept on. Over time, it wears us down. And to think that way before that ever happened, God was. Before the mountains were born, God was. Now, I know nobody's gonna raise their hand on this, because nobody's a nerd. I'm a nerd, okay? I like science fiction. I like stuff like that. And I love um, like time travel movies where like people can go back in time and change events and it changes the future. And it like messes with my brain because then it's like, well, wait a second. What if I went back in time and sent my my past self forward in time and then like, whoa, like your mind explodes. And anyway, I love thinking about time travel. It's just it's weird and interesting. And Judge me if you want, but I know there's some closet nerds in the room too. I just didn't make you raise your hand, okay? But one of the things I think is so fascinating when I think about time and, and our existence is that God lives outside of time. That God doesn't know the beginning to the end because he's just old. God doesn't know the past because he's been there and experienced it. God doesn't know the future because he can see ahead. God knows everything because he is everywhere. Right now, he's in the future and here. Does that make sense? He is waiting for us in our future. Isn't it nice when you get home and your family's waiting on you? Hey, it's so good to see you. Maybe you go on a long trip to see some family you haven't seen in a while and they're waiting on you when you get there. And they welcome you. Our heavenly father is waiting for us in the future. That's why it's, it's crazy to me when we get upset about the future and start worrying about the future. It's like, well, you know what? God's already waiting on us there. Before we get there, God's already set up a residency. He's waiting on us there. That's how big our God is. And so what Moses is trying to do is help the nation of Israel, help the people of Israel as they're singing these songs, understand that God is bigger than anything else. God, his his vision of time is so much different than ours. He he lives outside of time. Listen to verse 3. It says, you return man to dust because guess what? We were born of dust. And he says, man was, came from dust and at some point it's going back to dust. And guess who's gonna do that? It's gonna be God. He was here when we came into this world and he will be here when we go out of it. And he will say, return, O children of man. Verse four says, a thousand years in your sight are but a, a yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. Have you ever had a hard day and you looked back afterwards and you're like, oh yeah, it wasn't that bad. Like I'm convinced that women who have babies don't remember how hard it is, or they would never have babies ever again, right? Like, come on. And guys, we know, so we're never, like, if men ever had the option of having babies, if that was possible, like, it would never happen. Guys just wouldn't do it, okay? And the, the, the species would cease to exist if it was up to men to have babies. It would not happen. Women are tougher than we are. I'm just saying. Sorry, it's Father's Day. I know. Women are still tougher. Um, but the tr- The truth is, if we remembered how hard childbirth was, would you really want to have another baby very soon? Probably not. That's why you hear the mom who gets pregnant like 12 months after she had a baby, she's like, I'm pregnant again? Like, oh God, I just went through this, right? It's difficult. It's hard. But when we look back, sometimes we go, well, it wasn't that bad. You know, that was a tough day, man. I had a fight with my wife, or maybe things didn't go well at work, but yeah, it wasn't that bad. Because we look back and we forget how grueling things are at times. how we have to walk through things, and, and all of a sudden day becomes more concise and shorter and eh, we have a short memory, right? So what Moses is saying is, just like we remember days in the past, that's how, that's how God takes that and it's a 1,000 years for him. That's the equivalent. He, he compares it to a watch in the night. In this time, they would have military watches throughout the night, so they, if they got attacked, they would be on guard, they would be ready to respond. And a normal watch was three to four hours. And so, what Moses is saying is, a thousand years for us is like three or four hours to God. And he's illustrating again God's view of time is so much different than ours. He looks at it differently, he approaches it differently. This is what it says in verse five. It says, You sweep them away as with a flood, they're like a dream. And again, have you ever tried to remember a dream the next day? And you're going through the dream and you're like, Wait a second. I think that happened over a course of days in my dream. And your dream's like a novel, right? And you, but it's easy to forget. It's easy to remember. This happened in like 10 seconds. A 30-minute dream or a two-hour dream in your mind happened in just moments. And he compares it to a dream. He said, like grass that is renewed in the morning, in the morning it flourishes and it's renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. That, that, that weed that sprouts up and then dies so quickly. That's kind of what our lives are. Isn't this encouraging to you to think that your life is tiny? This is what I was going for on Father's Day, by the way. I just want to crush you, Mike. (laughs) And then we're going to let God build it back up. But the truth is, we look at our lives and we think it's infinite, but it's not. And the part, the redemptive part's coming up, don't worry, because it only gets worse before it gets better. Verse seven, as we get into verse seven, this next section really talks about how, how, how sin, it, it implicates the whole body. How when there's unrepentant, unconfessed sin, it implicates the whole body. It brings condemnation on the whole body. So I know you're excited about me reading it, so here it goes. Verse seven says, "'For we are brought to an end by your anger. "'By your wrath we are dismayed. "'You have set our iniquities before you, "'our secret sins in the light of your presence.'" He's saying, It doesn't matter what your secret sin is. At some point, it's going to come out in the light of God's presence. Because when God's presence draws near to us, when we draw near to God's presence, all of our stuff is illuminated, whether we like it or not. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your, of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? And you read this, it's like, wow, that's kind of depressing for a Father's Day, Mel. You're supposed to encourage us, like we're supposed to be blessed, right? Well, listen, again, Moses comes back in verse 10 here, and he says, the years of your life are 70. He said, normally we're gonna live to be 70. Maybe if you're really strong, you're gonna live to be 80. And again, put that into context, because 80, like, it doesn't seem as old as it used to when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I thought 35 was old, okay? Now I'm like, you know, 80 is not that bad, right? Let's say 100, 120. We would all agree if I lived to be 120, that's pretty old, right? But then compare that to the context of God, who says, no, 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 no. Three of your hours are like 1,000 years. Three of my hours are like 1,000 years for you. That's I have no, no sense of time because your time is different than my time. And again, we think that's a long life to God. That's a moment. That's, that's, that's a blink of an eye. And this last verse kind of sums up this section. Basically what it's saying is, is if we could see God for who he really is, we would change some of the ways that we live our lives. We would do some things differently in our lives if we really saw God for who he really was. The secret sin that we have in our lives would probably not stay, if we could see God for who he really is. And then it, it kind of shifts gears. And this is what Moses says in Psalm chapter 90 verse 12. So, and, and it starts with the word so. And so what he's saying is, based on everything we've just heard and read and sung together, this is how we respond. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. What does it mean to number our days? This is not something we talk about normally, but it's something we do whether we realize it or not. Um, We number our days in a lot of different ways. If you're a student, IEP students, at the beginning of the semester you get a syllabus. And then the syllabus will say, here's where your tests are. Here's when your papers are due. And what that is, is it's a timeline for you. You Okay, I need to start working on this here. I need to start studying for this here. And what you're doing is you are numbering your days. You're saying, I'm going to plan so that when the time comes, I am ready. Does that make sense? Kids, number the days for Christmas, don't they? If you've got kids, um, I I love the season leading up to Christmas because you have some of the most well-behaved children you will ever have in your life, right? Like, It's that threat, like, you might get cold in your stocking. Okay, okay, and they're going to act right. and So they they count down the days, though, don't they? And some people on social media will post things that say things like, only 27 more Fridays till Christmas. (laughs) Stop it! (laughs) They're already going to start putting Christmas decorations in Walmart in October, okay? So just stop it! Matt Mano, I love him, our kids' pastor. He will play Christmas carols in his office right now. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love Christmas. I do not love Jingle Bell Rock <laughs> in June. What do we do? We count down the days. And so, what the kids do, they, they number their days. They say, okay, we've got. We've got Christmas coming up here, we've got this many days, we better act right. So what happens when they number their days? They, they shift their behavior. They adjust and order their lives differently based on the number of days they have. Maybe you've got a presentation at work. What do you do? You number your days, you change the way you work. If you're going to have a baby, you number your days, here's when the due date is, and you've got the timeline, we've got to get the room ready, we've got to buy... 50,000 diapers for the first week of the child's life, um, right? We've, we've got we've to get the car seats, and we've got to get the strollers. and we've, So you start planning and ordering your day based on the number of days you've got. Women, and I don't understand this at all, and I'm a guy, although some of you wouldn't agree with that. I am a guy. Um, but I've never understood when I hear a young couple or a couple gets married or gets engaged, they go, yeah, we're getting married. I proposed. She said, yes, oh, I'm so excited when you guys get married. Well, it'll be a year from this coming June. 14 months till you're getting married? Yeah, yeah. How come you're waiting? So, well, we got a lot of planning to do. What is there to plan? Like, you, this girl has been planning this since she was seven. Like, she's been... <laughs> G.I. Joe and Barbie have been married three million times. Like, she knows what she wants in this wedding. She's dreamed about the venue and the dress and the bridesmaid dresses and the flowers and the cake and every detail. Why do you need 18 months to plan a wedding? I don't get it. But what happens? That timeline gets locked in and the clock starts counting down. Ch And they feel the pressure and they start buying the bride's magazines and the bridal. And it's like an encyclopedia of of making men miserable is what that is. And like, (laughs) honey, what do you think about this dress? And what do you think about the bridesmaids wearing this? And I'll tell you, ladies, let me tell you what your husband or your fiance thinks. He doesn't care. (laughs) That's the most anointed I think I've preached since I've been here right there. But what happens? The woman begins to order her life differently based on that timeline, right? My days are numbered and we have to order my life differently based on the number of days I've got. The truth is, we need to be taught that. That's why Moses says, God, teach us. Because we're not that smart. I mean, let's be honest, Jesus called the sheep. Sheep are stupid animals, okay? We're not that smart. That's why Moses says teach us because we really do live our lives like we're going to live forever. We eat whatever we want. We drive as fast as we want. We buy whatever, we do whatever we want. We think our kids will be with us forever. That's why we treat our kids like we do sometimes. That's why it's easy to dismiss them when I'm watching my favorite show. Oh, we got time. I'll come up in a little bit. We'll play in a little bit. We spend time like it's unlimited, but it's not unlimited. In fact, no matter what amount of money you have in your bank account, no matter how rich or poor you might be, you have the same amount of time as the person with the opposite amount in their bank account. You have the same amount of time in a day to do with what you will. How will we order those days based on the number of days we have? What if we lived our lives that way? What if we said, God, I really am going to number my days, just like that that girl that numbers the days till the wedding day. What if we began to order our days in such a way where we said, God, I'm going to prioritize my life around the number of days I've got. Instead of assuming that I'm going to live to be 120, which feels like an eternity, but we realize in God's economy, 120 is a moment, it's a wisp. What if we began to say, I'm gonna order my days, the numbered days I have, to live really well? See, the reason ordering our days is important is because it leads to wisdom. Did, Did you see that? It says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Wisdom comes whenever we begin to order our days, and the reason wisdom comes is because we begin to look at our days in the same context that God looks at our days. We begin to look at our life and realize that it's finite. Realize that we don't have as much time as we think we have. And we begin to, to prioritize and order our lives differently. And hopefully it begins to be ordered in the same way God would order our lives. Numbering our days leads to wisdom. If we number our days, we're going to stop filling our days with things that don't really matter that much. That doesn't mean you're doing things that are bad. Because like I said, a lot of times, we have to choose between good things and good things, don't we? So what we have to do whenever we number our days, when we confront the fact that our days are numbered, what happens is we have to begin to go, okay, what are some of these good things in my life that maybe I need to trade out for better things in my life? What are some of the things in my life that I can prioritize differently to make sure my priorities, my order, lines up with God's order for my life, for my limited life, because the truth is you have limited time. So what are we doing with that limited time? Remembering our time is limited helps us spend our limited time. There was a church um, I was associate pastor at about six years ago, and um, I did most of the pastoral care at the church, so, You know, and I enjoyed being with people and walking them through their stuff. And there was a season in our church where the staff started calling me the angel of death, (laughs) which is not a compliment, by the way, just in case you were wondering, because it seemed like everybody I went to visit in the hospital died. And I, I was, in the span of two days, I was with three people when they expired in their hospital rooms. And I was starting to feel a little self-conscious about it. Like, okay, God, what's going on here? Like, you know, do I need to stay away from people? And so now some of you are like, I'll just have Pastor Dick come visit me in the hospital, right? (laughs) But being with these people in the last moments of their lives gives you some perspective. Because what we're trying to do today is confront the fact that our days are numbered. But what these people had happen is they were confronted with the fact that their days were numbered. Sickness, bam, old age, bam, disease, bam, it hit them. And all of a sudden they're taken aback and they realize, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna live forever. And in those moments, those moments of clarity, these people begin to see things differently. And they will say things, and it sounds like a stereotype, but they will say things like, I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. Oh, I've got great kids, Mel. Have you ever met my kids? Yeah, I have. Oh, they're great kids. I just, I wish I'd spent more time with them. Boy, man, I worked so hard when I was younger. I I wish I hadn't worked that hard. I wish I would have just taken it a little bit easier now in hindsight. Do you know what I never heard anybody say? I wish I would have worked 45 hours a week instead of 40. You know what, Mel? I I had some overtime I could have gotten, and that would have been nice. I should have done that. You know, my boss, he wanted me to work harder and, and I should have. And I wish now I could go back. No, never. Do you know why? Because in those moments of clarity, they begin to order their lives differently and they realize that they had ordered their lives wrong in the past. They realize that they needed to do things differently. Um, see, the world tells us how to order our lives, doesn't it? The world tells us. You work harder You work harder than anybody else. You get more stuff than anybody else. You advance in life, and then you'll be happy. And the world tells us this. They try to sell us this lie, but that's not the way God would order our lives. And just to lighten the mood a little bit, can I read an obituary? This is a made-up obituary. I just... I wrote this this morning as I was thinking through this. Let me read this to you. Bob Smith. If your name Bob Smith, by the way, just change it in your mind. Um, I'm not trying to freak anybody out. Bob Smith, January 12, 1974 to March 8, 2015. Bob Smith was born in Punxsutawney and started working at age 16, delivering papers for the Punxsutawney spirit. At 18, he took a job in the sales department and began selling ads to local businesses. In 1994, he got a job with Markham Office and Equipment and began selling copiers and office equipment to businesses throughout the region. In 2000, he was promoted to area sales manager. Bob was preceded in death by his regional sales manager, Harold Barnes, and his director of corporate marketing, Leslie Osborne. Bob is survived by his vice president of corporate sales, his administrative assistant, and a large, loving sales team. Now again, this obviously is not real, but you don't read obituaries like that, do you? What you do is you read obituaries, and they say, this is when the person was born, this is when they died, this is where they lived, and now we're going to spend the next three paragraphs telling you about their family, right? He was a loving father. He was a caring husband. He was married for this long to his wife. These are the kids he has. This is the family he has. Why? Because at the end of the day, if you die, your boss will hire someone else to replace you. Amen. <laughs> Doesn't that encourage you? <laughs> you know, I, I told the board, and i probably sit it from stage at some point, but I've, I've told the board, and I've told our staff this over and over and over. Um, the most important thing I can do is have a is to have a really healthy family. Um, Because my daughter, Abby and Emma, they don't care how big our church is. They're not impressed with that. It doesn't make any difference to them how many um, kids we have signed up for kids camp. It doesn't make any difference to them how many services we have. It doesn't matter to them how many people show up on Sunday or on Easter or any of those things. You know what they're impressed with? When daddy hangs out with them. When daddy takes them to school, that's, that's, that's what oppresses them. And so I, I've told our board and staff, guys, um, this church can get another pastor. And I know some of you, no, no, no. But let's be honest. If I left today, they'd have 100 resumes for this job the day after tomorrow. Because this is a great church. People would want to be here. Nobody can replace me as a father to my daughters. No, nobody can replace me as a husband to my wife. At least I hope not. <laughs> if she talks to you about that, let me know, please. I've... <laughs> she recently upped my life insurance, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> but when we realize that our days are numbered, it helps us order our days in such a way that we can begin to prioritize them in a way that's going to bring glory to God. There's nothing wrong with working hard. You should work hard. You should um, give it your very best in the workplace. But you should not give your workplace better time than you give your family. I've heard people say, well, I give give quality time to my family. You know, I I spend a lot of time at work, but I I give quality time to my family. That's great. And I believe in quality time but it's a cop-out to have either quantity or quality time. Because this is the thing, and this is in my experience. In my experience, quality time is birthed from quantity time. The more time I spend with my kids, the more likely I am to have that quality moment with my kids, does that make sense? Same thing with my wife, the more time I spend with my wife, the more likely I am to have those positive experiences with my wife. (laughs) It's not one or the other. It starts with quantity, and ends with quality. Um, I try to take my girls to school every day. Um, and, uh, and my job is more flexible than a lot of people. So I try to take my girls to school every day. And then sometimes I'll pick them up from school, but every day I'll put them to bed at night. And um, most of the times I'm driving them to school and there's not a lot of deep conversation on the way to school, there's a little bit. We get to school, drop them off, love you, have a good day, you know, pray for them, give them kisses, and that's it. That night might be the same thing. Okay, I'm going to pray. How was your day? Good? Okay, because my kids aren't very different than your kids. How was your day? Good. What'd you do? Nothing. Who'd <laughs> you hang out with? Nobody. It's like, oh my gosh, come on, right? But then you'll have that moment or you'll have that, that time when one of my girls will say, Daddy, this happened at school today. And this, this person did this and this is how it made me feel. And I just want you to know. And well, be able to just like open up this moment and have a conversation and all of a sudden we're having quality time. But that happens because I've invested in quantity time leading up to that. Um, my dad, you know, I, I wasn't tearing up over him earlier, I had allergies. Um, My dad worked highway construction for 30 years and uh, worked really hard. I mean, like this guy's hands are like gigantic and hard. I mean, he's like bricks for hands, and he's just a manly man. And um, he would he would work on job sites a couple hours away at times. You know, we lived in central Oklahoma, but at times he would work down in uh, East Texas or you know four or five, six hours away sometimes. But one thing I will tell you about my dad is my dad never missed one of my basketball games. And he would drive, he would be gone during the week and come home on the weekend sometimes. But if I had a Tuesday night basketball game, he was gonna leave work early and get to my basketball game five hours away, watch the basketball game, give me a hug and a kiss after the game was over with and get back in his car and drive five hours back to wherever he was working so that he could be at work the next day. And one thing that told me was that my dad valued me. My dad valued me more than he valued his own comfort. Because it would have been a lot easier for him to stay wherever he was working and not have to make that drive. A 10 hour round trip to watch me sit on the bench for most of the game, right? <laughs> but he did it. And because he did it, he told me something. He didn't have to say, I love you. He did, he told me he loved me a lot. But do you know what, he showed me he loved me. Because He drove 10 hours round trip to watch me sit on the bench. It told me a lot about my dad. Told me a lot about how he viewed me, how he cared about me. It told me a lot about how he numbered his days and how he ordered his life. And it helps me love my girls that way. I'm not nearly as good a father as my dad is. But he modeled that for me. He showed me, this is how you prioritize your life. This is how this is how you order your life to get the maximum impact out of it. I love my dad. I've got a great relationship with my dad. And my hope is that someday, my girls are still young enough now, they say things like, you're one of my best friends. I'm like, please, God, let them always think that, you know? Like, but my hope is that five years from now, ten years from now, my girls will be able to look back and go, you know what, Dad? You're one of my best friends. And the reason they're going to be able to do that is because I realize my life is finite And as much as I want this church to be successful, and as much as I want this church to grow, more than that, I want my family to be successful. I want my girls to love God. And because I realize that my time as the pastor of this church is limited, because I realize that my life is limited, it helps me order my days, number my days, so that I can order my life well. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I will tell you, one of the things I feel like I do well is, is is father my girls, I feel miserably as a pastor and as a leader at times, as a husband, but I work really hard to make sure that I'm fathering my girls well, and the reason is because I feel like I've put some priorities into place. Albert Einstein said, only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. You know, our Heavenly Father painted a picture of what a godly father should look like when he gave everything for us. And that's what a picture of a father should be, that a father should willingly sacrifice for the family, for his wife, for his kids. And when we do that, we're honoring God. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Well, I know how much you love homework, so I'm gonna give you some homework, if that's okay. This is my homework for you. And you can, if you're a note taker, you can make notes. If you can remember these things, you can try to remember them. This is what I want you to do. And you're not going to bring this back. This is just for you. But this week, I want you to ask yourself these four questions. The first question is, what do I need to increase in my life? What are the things in my life that maybe you're doing or you're part of, or maybe the things that are in your life already that you say, I need to do more of this. I need to increase this. Maybe you're already doing a pretty good job spending some time with your kids or with your family or the people you love in your life. But maybe you recognize, you know what? I just need to prioritize that more. I need, to, I need to add more of that to my life. Whatever it is, you know what that is. So what do I need to increase in my life? The second question is, what do I need to decrease for my life? What are the things that I need to do less of? Like I said, there's nothing wrong with working hard. But maybe you recognize, you know what? I'm spending too much time with that. And I need to, I need to adjust some things. I need to order some things better. The third question is, what do I need to add to my life? What are some things in my life that aren't even there at all, but I need to add? And there's no condemnation when I say this. Maybe prayer is something that, maybe you've been coming to church, but you're not really praying. Maybe that's something you need to add to your life. Maybe studying the word of God is something you go, man, Mel, I don't like to read, I get it. But maybe you need to take a couple minutes every day, two minutes every day, just say, okay, God, I'm gonna dive into your word, just begin to read. And ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding. Maybe that's something you add to your life that, that's not in there now. And the last question is, what do I need to take away from my life? What are the things that are currently present in my life that need to go away? Not that they're bad, not that they're evil, not that they're sinful, but they just don't belong in your life when you begin to order your days, and number your days, and realize, I've got a limited amount of days in my life, and I want to spend and order my lives really well. Maybe there's some things you go, okay, this has got to go. I have a good friend that... Uh, when he began to do this in his life, he realized, you know what? I love golf, but four or five hours for a round of golf a week, that's time I can spend with my girls, or that's time I can spend with my spouse. Or, so he said, that's, that's selfish time. I'm gonna get rid of that. Not that golfing is bad, but there are things in our lives that maybe we can go, okay, you know what? I'm gonna take this away so I can redirect that energy to someplace it needs to be. So this is the thing. I don't wanna crush anyone today. That is not my goal. It's not my intention. Maybe you're here in your relationship with your kids or with your father is not what you would like it to be. That's okay. No one is perfect, believe me. And you might be thinking, well, it looks like you painted yourself as perfect. We're not perfect. I've got my own issues and junk and all those kind of things too. But today is an opportunity to say, you know what? My days are limited. So I'm gonna do the best I can from this point forward. I wanna make sure my relationship with my kids is right from this point forward. I wanna make sure my relationship with my dad, as far as I can do uh, help it, is gonna be right from this point forward. Or maybe you're here today and you need to say, you know what, I need the relationship with my heavenly father to be right from this point forward. I wanna give you that opportunity. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. If you're here and you say to me today, Mel, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to. I wanna make some things right with him. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. And I wanna begin a relationship with him today. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna make you come forward or anything like that. I just wanna pray with you wherever you are. If that's you and you say, today's the day I wanna begin a relationship with Jesus. I wanna wanna follow God. If that's you, would you just put your hand real high up in the air so I can see it? Thank you. Up in the balcony on my left. Awesome. You can put your hand down, ma'am. Who else says that's me? Pray for me. Today's the day. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. Thank you. Over here on my left, sir, you can put your hand down. Awesome. Praise the Lord. All right. This is what I'd like to do. I want everybody in this place to repeat this really simple prayer after me. So everyone here, repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I give my life to you. I'm turning away from my old life, from sin and for my past, and I choose you. I choose a relationship with you and your future for me. Take my life, I love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give God a round of applause? Now listen, if you said that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, uh, there's a card in that seat back in front of you, it's a prayer card. And on the back of the prayer card, it says salvation or rededication. If you'd fill that side of the card out for us, let us know what the decision was you made today and then drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave. We would love to pray with you. We'd love for you to take the next step in your walk of faith and and kind of take that step to become a disciple and not just be a convert. So we want to help you with that process. So if you would indulge me one more time, bow your head and close your eyes all over this place. If you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm a Christian, but the truth is, I struggle numbering my days and sometimes my priorities are off and I need God's help in getting that right. And would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just put your hand up real high and let me pray for you today? Yeah, all over the place. Lots of hands. Well, just pray with me right now. Father, I thank you that Lord, although our days are numbered and they are finite, you are infinite. And so, God we're asking you to help us today. We're asking for your wisdom today. We're asking for your help today to number our days, to to understand that that our life is limited. But God, you wanna use the days we've got for an incredible glory? So Lord, I pray today we would begin to order our lives and allow you to shape our lives to value the things you value and love the things you love. And God, I pray. That it wouldn't be about getting rid, of good, uh, getting rid of bad things, but God, let us realign the good things in our life to, to make sure we have maximum impact in, in our family and our close friends and the people we love. God, let us not live our lives for things that don't matter. God, I pray that we'd prioritize in a way that it's gonna bring glory to you. And God, I pray that our lives and our schedules would begin to reflect you more and more. So God, I pray you have, every, you have your way with every person in this place so we raised our hand and we've prayed today. God, I pray that, that we would submit ourselves fully and wholly to you, that you would take it all and be glorified through it. So Lord, have your way with us. We love you and we thank you. And in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Now listen, if you need prayer today, there's a couple things you can do. You can email us at prayer at summittogether.com. Let us know about your prayer need. You can fill out the prayer card that's in the seat back in front of you and you can drop that in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. Or as we stand in just a moment for worship, our prayer team is gonna be on either side of this stage and we would love the opportunity just to agree with you in prayer for whatever your need is. So no matter what you've come in this place, uh, carrying with you. We believe that God can minister to you where you're at and, and, and minister to every need you've got. And so we want to agree with you over that and just pray with you. So if you need prayer today, if you would like us to pray with you, our prayer team's available as we begin to worship in just a moment. Why don't you stand to your feet all over this place? I tell you this every week. Uh, Matt Mano is going to come up in a minute and close. I don't tell you that every week, but Matt Mano is going to come up in a minute and close out. He's our kids pastors. This great job. And uh, he'll share a couple things with you before we kick you out. But I want you to know something. I love you more than you know. And I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. Hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.